haven't we haven't won a playoff series yet. So that's our first step. The Bucks on the way to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2001. I should win MVP because probably <laughs> I don't care. I just care about winning. That's what I care about. Um, that's not a very good campaign speech. It doesn't matter. I just care about winning. I know if we keep winning and we keep playing good basketball, it's going to take care of itself. The 2019 Kia NBA Most Valuable Valuable Player goes to Giannis Antetokounmpo. What's going on, everybody? Episode 67 of the Bucks Leading Radio, and as always. It's your boy, Jacobs, on the microphone, joined for the first time this season by one of my good friends all the way out there in Kansas City, Derek Stark. What's up, brother? Hey, what's happening, man? I like that introduction. Yeah, I got to start working on like some WWE introductions or something for my guests <laughs> on here, make it a little bit more fun. It would be good to get, get the guests amped a little bit, get the juices flowing. Get a soundboard and get like some good pump-up music as they like, yes. like their walk-up song. Yes, like sir. I'm about it. Um, all right. Well, hey, I haven't been on the mic in a while. You haven't been on the mic in a while. Um, I took a little Thanksgiving break there myself. Uh, nice. It's been, a, been about a week and a half probably since we've gotten an episode out. But in that time, the Bucks have just decided to keep on winning. So there wasn't much to talk about anyway. We are uh, recording this on December 5th with the Bucks having a 13-game win streak for the first time since 1973. And uh, it's a wild time to be a Bucks fan, man. It's great. Yeah, no kidding, man. It's uh, it's surreal. We've waited our whole lives for this, and now that it's here, I I feel like some of the people that I talk to the most about the Bucks have almost become to they've become a bit entitled. Like they they anticipate winning, and if it's close, they're they kind of they're complaining, and it's it's frustrating to me because I'm you know me I'm just a positive, optimistic kind of guy. Like I'm I'm just trying to soak it all up, but. Uh, it, it's quite the time to be a Milwaukee Bucks fan, that's for sure. It is. I mean, to that point, though, don't you think you lose a little bit of something? And I think I talked about this in like the first episode season with Trey. I go into this, or at least he does, and, I, and most games I do, going into it expecting the Bucks to win almost every game. You know, don't you think you lose a little bit of the drama factor when there is a small chance of your team losing and when it does happen? It is very disappointing. Yeah, that's a good point. And I understand the disappointment. Um, and anyway, we are winning by a lot of points on a regular basis. So it's <laughs> very true. It's, by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, it's almost uninteresting. It's almost better to just turn to something else, uh, check out. But I, I think there's there's also that, that factor of just, uh, you know, we kind of attach our egos and our emotional well-being to the sports teams we follow. So should be a very high levels of confidence in Wisconsin right now between uh, what's going on in Green Bay and as well in Milwaukee. Yeah, for sure. Green Bay probably a little less after that loss to the Niners, but this isn't the Green Bay Packers podcast. Go check one out if you don't already listen to one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the Bucks is good. You know, Jerry Wolfel, shout out Jerry um, or Gary, I don't know the fuck you say his name. <laughs> uh threw up a nice threw up a nice little um article being like the bucks and this is when they had 12 games 12 game win streak was against all, every team with below a 500 record and blah 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 and the injuries that you know that put sideline star players and this and that 
And while it is shitty and kind of just him classically hating on the Bucks, there is some truth to that. In this 13-game win streak, they've only really played against shitty teams. Or in the case of Portland, a team that had their star player injured in Damian Lillard. And this season have had players sidelined, i.e. Kawhi Leonard and some load management right off the top of my head. What do you, as a sports fan in general, think about that? And think about or take into account the schedule softness or the injuries that occur on opposing teams that seem to allow for easier victories. Mm. Well, I guess it's a good thing we didn't lose those games, huh? Uh, Right. I don't know. It's hard. There's, what, 14 teams in the NBA with winning records. And from my vantage point, and admittedly, I, I haven't been following the league as closely this year as as I normally do but it's also early December so there's a lot of other things going on in in my life from a college football standpoint college basketball NFL but um, there's 14 teams with a winning record we're we're beating those kinds of teams you know we beat the Utah Jazz uh, and we're beating the other teams that that we're supposed to beat by a substantial amount of points 20-30 points so I, I feel very encouraged by it I think you know Jerry or Gary whatever his name is he's just trying to get clicks and get reads because that's how he gets paid and you got to respect the hustle on his end but he's just trying to create a narrative in my opinion yeah you're not wrong and it's you started it out completely right it's you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't right and especially with a streak like that you're damned if you win them all because it's it doesn't hold as much water as beating four great teams in a row but if you lose one of those games you're a shit team that can't beat a crappy team. So I think it's tough. And I think there is some, there's something that needs to be taken into account when you look at the, the softness of a schedule. I mean, the first half of the season was rough. You know, we had an early Western road trip. You know, we took an L in Utah. And, you know, there was some tough games in there. We did go out to L.A. Granted, it was still a Kawhi Clippers game, but that's still a lot of travel. I think it was the second of a five-game road trip, so you know you're still hopefully a little fresh. But there's things out there that like we've had a nice little uh, teeter totter of a schedule to kind of start out hard, and we've gotten we've kind of been coasting, I would say. Um, and during this time, though, especially during this win streak, we've seen some of the young guys get some minutes as as Kmid himself got injured, and, and some teams saw us um, a little crippled without one of our all-star players in quotes, no matter your opinion, end quote, still an all-star. Um, what do you think about the play that we've been able to see? And, and I know you even have you know, mentioned it, uh, maybe a little bit less than you have previous seasons, but the, the opportunity that these young guys are getting and, and seem to be making of it, um, what does that do for your confidence as a fan of a team, from the coach's perspective of a team, as, as you look to make those final decisions on that seven, eight man rotation in the playoffs and anything else you want to add on outside of that. Mm. Nice. Well, uh, I think you make good points and, and I love to see the youth get these opportunities, right? It's, it's really good for the development and the future of our squad. And, um, I, I don't know. Personally, I, I kind of wish we had Frank Mason up at, at the NBA level right now getting some minutes because I'm obviously a, a Kansas Jayhawk. It's where I work. I got a degree here, and, and I got to see him play and got to know him a little bit. He's playing great with the Herd. I actually watched the Herd tonight, and they, they were up 17-0 to start the game, and I'm hoping they finished it off, but they were looking good. 
I think it, it's just huge. Like you talk about confidence and confidence is so crucial in any area of, of life. And it's huge for, for Dante to, to get this run for Sterling Brown to get this run. And um, they're able to learn from guys like Wesley Matthews and, and Bledsoe guys who are, you know, veterans at this point and, and have a lot to dish out. And they're also, they're the kind of veterans that I think they care about the young guys. They're not selfish and all about themselves. Um, and Pat Connaughton as well. You know, I, I love his game because he seems to be able to stroke it from downtown, but he also is a, he's a great driver. He gets, he plays above the rim, which you maybe wouldn't expect. Um, so it's, it's been really exciting to see uh, the young guys get more opportunity than maybe they have in years past. And well, how about DJ Wilson? I mean, that's, that's your guy, right? He is. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I was backing off the DJ train the start of the season because the minutes we saw were not good at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm the first to admit him not playing well. But I, I tweeted it last night. I mean, is he back? Are we back on the DJ train? I don't know. Career high points on Monday night. Yeah. Solid minutes last night against the Pistons. But, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I think you should Second get back year. on that, man. Just stay on that train because at some point it's going to pan out. Or maybe not, and then you can just let it fade. But just like stay, stay maker, <laughs> yeah, fade into the sunset. Yeah, into oblivion. That's right. I'm just glad, and maybe a little off topic, but I'm just glad we're not fucking talking about Malcolm Brogdon anymore. At least it seems like I'm in, on uh, the social media. Well, like, speak for yourself for there. You know, you know, I was very, very fond of Malcolm Brogdon. It's, uh... it's the It's the same thing with Thon Maker. It's he wanted to do a different thing. We don't have the opportunity for that him here, so we got him that and more money somewhere else. What's so wrong about that? Yeah, you're right. We definitely we did what was best for him. I wish it wasn't in our own division though. That's what frustrates me is you know yeah you got to face the Pacers what four times a year and granted we are substantially better than the Pacers and they they don't scare me right now. Um, but I I don't know. I just. I don't like that. I, I wish he was on our team. I wish we could have found a way to make it work. Quite frankly, I like him more than Bledsoe, but that's just that's just my take. What? I do. I like him more than Bledsoe. Maybe fit. Why? Maybe fit wise with this team that doesn't make sense. Um, I I don't know. I just I like his leadership for his age, and that's not to say that Bledsoe isn't a leader. I think they're different kinds of leaders um and Bledsoe brings a sort of toughness that you don't get from a lot of guys but I I look at like assist to turnover ratio and and stats like that and Brogdon's just always been really really solid really trustworthy and Bledsoe's a little bit more volatile in that area I I I don't even know what to say back to that we we just end the podcast right here this is some bullshit hot take going for Derek. What are you trying cold, to say to me? Is a cold take? That's a very cold take in my opinion. <laughs> I don't know. We can put it out in the universe and see what comes back. Yeah, let's I think Bloodstone is an overall better point guard. He is way more reliable than Malcolm Brogdon when it comes to his drive and sh- drive driving ability, excuse me, and finishing around the rim ability, as well as his health. And that's the biggest knock against Malcolm Brogdon has been since his college oh, days. Yeah. Well, he missed okay. 60 games last season, and he would not have made our playoff team any better had he played. See, that's that's where we probably would disagree. I think we would be better with a healthy Malcolm Brogdon. Um, Brogdon's we lost the one series, series he played. 
his per well that that's tough for him to come back in the middle of the playoffs though too like you got to think about the circumstances dude's a 94 percent free throw shooters pers i think three four points higher than brogdon's he's uh he's he's playing well right now in indiana and he, he's he's one of those like 90 50 40 guys too i i love high shooting percentages maybe he's not this year but he was with us Uh, okay, fair points, fair points. I will say I feel like there's an asterisk on that as you put him on a on a bad team where he is one of the better players on the floor and you're going to get the Mike Carter-Williams effect. Or an above-average player, or in Mike Carter-Williams' case, a below-average player. Do not, do not compare better. the president to Michael Carter-Williams. I am not. I call <laughs> it the Michael Carter-Williams okay. effect because they, they did both win Rookie of the Year, right? However, his was for actually playing well. Yeah. But... When you put him on a team and he's the only person that is really scoring is going to make plays on that team, of course he's going to shine more and have more opportunities. You put him on a team like the Bucks, he was very efficient because he didn't have the ball as much, so I give you that. But true, I think true. overall I want Bledsoe on my team. But we yeah, can. That's uh, a good point. We sh- we should digress, but you're right. I think the Giannis factor of like Giannis creating open looks for him helped him shoot above forty percent. But Bledsoe is mm-hmm. a thirty percent three point shooter, and I think I value the three really strongly, so that might play into it as well. But yeah, we should we should move on. Well, okay, that's fair. I mean, it, it, this harps back to what um, Alex and I talked about in the previous episode, which is um, that you know this Bucks team doesn't necessarily value a three point shooting point guard. Mm. It values a drive and kick point guard, which Bledsoe yeah. is perfect at. Don't get me wrong, that's what he is. and I don't like him just chucking up threes for sure. No, that's not what you want to see. And sometimes he kind of gets into that mindset, and it just really, uh, it really frustrates me when he does. But he's gotten better. He has. He, you can see it in his game for sure. And he's definitely more mentally aware of the times when he's kind of getting like that. Because I feel like you'll see him get back into that mode with, that he was in two years ago in that Boston series that he kind of lost for us. And he'll back off of it a couple plays later. I think he kind of mentally gets it. Yeah, for sure. So I have a question for you. What – what has been your take on Wesley Matthews this year? Because the few games that I've really watched in depth, he's kind of been a non-factor, and it almost seems to me that we'd be better off with somebody else being on the court. But that's just been the little bit that I've seen. You're not alone in that, and, and I'm not going to disagree with it because stats are stats. Um, numbers don't lie. They do tell a different story maybe than if you watch the games. I think Wesley Matthews, and I said this, I think, recently as well he's just going through a growing pain phase uh, as he just joined a new team George Hill we saw the same thing happen to him and, and I use him as an example again because it's the most recent and easiest example to compare it to where his first season here wasn't great he didn't really know where he fit he was coming off the bench it's a little different than Wesley but um, I think Wesley will just find his spot it's the same thing we're seeing with Kyle Korver he's been a bit of a non-factor when it comes to a starting lineup or playing with Giannis-esque um, play. Sorry, I shouldn't say we're going to start Kyle Korver, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're just got to find their spots on the floor, understand where they fit in this team, especially because you are playing with guys that you're joining a squad that's been together for four years now. So everybody kind of knows each other, and I think they're getting there. Um, and, and I think you've seen it. Wesley Matthews has started to pick up his three-point shooting. He's been getting in better positioning, and he's been better on the defensive end of the floor. Not, I think it was last week or, or maybe a week and a half ago, Wesley Matthews had the second most threes made in the game. 
and or actually the second highest points behind Giannis in the game. So I think he's showing it. It's coming in spurts right now, but he'll be consistent. Um, and I think he'll be a, definitely prove out to be a great addition to the team. And you got to remember that we technically, if it's not not necessarily one for one, but we gave up Malcolm Brogdon, re-signed George Hill, picked up Robin Lopez, and got Wesley Matthews. So if you're telling me one person's better than those three, I will fight you tooth and nail to prove that wrong. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I do like the fact, to me, honestly, the most valuable in that group is George Hill. I've been uh, a staunch supporter of his since early last year because he's just so efficient. And he's he's really quiet. He's a humble guy. He just comes in and he gets his job done. And you can't have enough people like that on a team, an organization. So I I'm I'm with you on that, no doubt about it. Financials aside, for sure. Um, let me get your thoughts on something as a sports fan. Um, so we play the Detroit Pistons uh, Wednesday night, okay. on December fourth. Blake Griffin and Giannis got into it a little bit. Well, I should say Blake Griffin. Stepped over Giannis. The team did not like it, so they kind of, the teams got into it. This caused me to start thinking about Blake Griffin's career, and now that he's ended up in Detroit, I feel like Giannis or Blake Griffin's career is a potential for what Giannis's career could be if it goes wrong, mm. or an example of what having a star player that has a similar game to Giannis, a.k.a. Blake Griffin, and not putting the right team around him will lead to. Because I think Blake Griffin shares a lot of similarities to Giannis's. Early Blake Griffin shows us a lot of similarities to Giannis in that they were very good in the paint. They were very good at backing down players. They were very good at dunking. um, And they were kind of unstoppable. Blake Griffin then transitioned that to getting a three-point shot, which has now just kind of come into tune the last couple of seasons but was working towards it. The Clippers organization, however, could not put the team around Blake to make it work. Yet he stayed loyal and stayed there for probably too long, and now we're edging up past his prime. So do you see that as a comparison of like what could have been or still technically could be, as Giannis is only 24, if the Bucks organization does not do what they are supposed to do and Giannis stays too loyal to the city when they're not doing him right? So I think that I understand where you're coming from and I can see parallels, but so I do think that Giannis's athleticism is, it's even on that next level, right? Blake, Blake is an unbelievable athlete and he can sky um, and do a lot of different things. He's got nice mid range and I know he loves to shoot it from downtown, even though if I was his coach, I wouldn't really want him to shoot it like he does. Um, But the, the, flexibility of having Giannis be able to run the point and essentially play all the way up to the four, maybe even five if you want him to. I think that's an area where he separates himself from from Blake from a value standpoint. Um, and also, I think the the mental side of it as well. You know, Giannis has got to be one of the like highest characters, best teammates in the league, and I don't think Blake's always necessarily been that. I think Blake has always been better off being – uh, number two or being a 1B, like when he got to play with CP3 in his prime. Whereas, you know, Giannis is just the dude. But um, I see what you're saying, though, because it looks like Giannis is really starting to develop that three-point shot. You know, he went four of eight against the Pistons. Um, mm-hmm. He's been shooting 35.6% uh, throughout the past month in 13 games. And 
it's actually interesting that he's got a better three-point percentage than Kawhi, JoJo, Tobias Harris, Eric Gordon, some some guys that you would think would be um, shooting pretty well this year. Giannis has got a better percentage than them. So I just think that Giannis's development, and that's got to be a testament to Horst and, and company, that he's, he's, he's no longer in the risk of becoming like a Blake, I don't think. But maybe had we not developed him and gotten him to this point, it could have wound up being that. Um, maybe if he chases money in a few years, maybe he ends up in a position like Blake where you're on a trash team and sure you can put up numbers, but you're not going to get the dubs. But man, I just, I feel like he's got a good in Milwaukee right now. We're 19 and three. It's just, it's tough to see Giannis ending up in a, in a state like that. And I'm not talking about Michigan. I'm talking like the circumstances environment. For sure. And I think that's a, that's a good um, breakdown of, of that thought. And I don't know, I thought it was kind of interesting because Blake Griffin's career has taken such a, <clears throat> I don't know if downfall is the way to, to describe it, but kind of just kind of is. a medi- yeah, mediocre-ish, like fading into the distance of what was greatness at one point. I mean, I still remember him jumping over that Kia, like in the dunk contest and being afraid to play LA and was going to put LA Clippers on the map. And I guess now Kawhi's there to do it for him. Yeah, he really is, man. And it is, it's wild how, how that's happened because if he would have stuck in, in LA, that team would have been even, even more potent, but um, probably best for the Clippers that he moved on. I think they knew what they were doing and, and now he's 30 years old and probably on the decline of his career. Probably. Well, interesting thought though. Yeah, um, that's a good question. What uh, what do you think your mindset as a team is on a thirteen game win streak going into a game like tomorrow night against what is arguably a potential finals matchup? Mm. That's a that is a good question. I'm excited for tomorrow night. I actually I need to just make sure that I watch that game because man, that's, that's what it's all about. That's prime time right there, baby. Yeah. I think it's just, uh, it's one of those things where you got to just continue to break it down and you take it day by day, game by game, quarter by quarter, minute by minute, and you don't get too far ahead of yourself. We're not thinking about, even though, you know, if you, if you follow me, I'll probably tweet out something about, yes, this is the year bucks NBA championship because I just get excited and I can't handle it. But as a, as a team, uh, what Coach Bud should be doing is just making sure we're staying present and focusing on the L.A. Clippers and then the Magic on Monday and the Pelicans next Wednesday. Um, and, you know, you, you just keep doing those kinds of things, and the next thing you, you turn around and, and you look and uh, you're sitting at 45-5, and five, and I think that's just – that's got to be the approach right now. You just break everything down, you simplify, and unless – a major injury happens or something like that. And you need to start looking maybe towards acquiring somebody to fill a gap. But I don't even think that's the case with this team. I think we are who we are and we just continue to grow, develop and flourish. Yeah. I was just curious because you work a lot more closely with sports teams than I ever have, not never really being a part of one. And so I was just kind of curious what your thoughts would be on that. Cause I feel like there is a tendency to maybe potentially get overconfident um, mm-hmm. in that where you kind of like, oh, we're, we're so fucking good. Nobody's going to stop us or 
or we got this, no problem. And then you go, you get punched in the mouth one time. You kind of forget what it feels like. You know, it's kind of like getting in an off season or and coming back and realizing that, oh, shit, we really got to play this game again. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think that's something that I worry about tomorrow. But I think this team has that the, the right mindset of kind of just like you described, like take it game by game. Every team is a potential um, is a potential loss. And I think they learned that early this season, right? I think you're kind of seeing that, that those losses pay dividends. You know, and I'm talking about the early games where we blew large leads against Heat and the Celtics um, with our only other loss coming to the Jazz, which was a tight game and well fought back. That was a great so, game. Great game. T- uh, good game. Good. It was a good uh, game. It, it was actually loss. a game that I got to watch. I, and I'm talking as purely from like... Maybe you shouldn't of, watch tomorrow's game. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, that was, yeah. a, that was a Friday night too. I was actually back in Fort Atkinson. Uh, yeah, there you go. Plays, so I, I definitely you watched at the... there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his place is off limits now for sure. Um, it's funny. Yeah, so I think it'll be. I I am looking forward to this tomorrow for sure. Um, it'll be what I'm sure. Uh, I I make sure to get on the TV. But yeah, I, that's one thing I worry about. I really hope that that they get this W. But I also then it was like last year we started seven and zero. I just wanted them to lose because the more you win and the more you keep winning, the higher the expectations get. And the harder it is to get that, like, or the worse it'll feel when you finally get that first loss. Or maybe it won't. I don't know. I don't guess I've never really been a fan of a sports team that's gone won 13 games in a row. Yeah, 13 in a row, 17 out of 18. Yeah. Um, it's, it is a wild ride right now, man. And, and I honestly, I don't really see it ending anytime soon. Um, even if we lose tomorrow night, we still, you know, win two, three in a row, and it's 21 out of 23. And it's just, it's wild. And I think you're right. I think the overconfidence piece, especially when you've got a lot of young guys, is something to be concerned about. But our young guys are so mature. You know, Sterling Brown, Giannis, Pat, Dante. Like, Dante played for Jay Wright at Villanova. That dude, the guys he develops, they, they're wise beyond their years. So I'm not concerned. I think Milwaukee's got it figured out, man. I think – do you think that the Clippers, uh, uh, you'd be more – would you rather play the Clippers or the Lakers in the finals? Clippers. Clippers. Okay. Because the Lakers and the Bucks are tied at 19 and 3, best records in the NBA, correct? So I've had this discussion with a couple of different people on this podcast, especially about who's going to come out of the West. Um, and and I've, I've gotten back and forth. And I, I think I've determined in my head that, and I've actually been convinced of this now thinking about it that the Lakers are the harder team to beat when it comes to playoff time. And I always have to remind myself that playoff basketball, it's not a full team. It's really that seven, eight man team. And I think that the Clippers have more depth and are top to bottom, a better roster. Um, But if you're just bringing down those seven, eight guys to the park and want to play seven games, the LA Lakers are scarier. Um, LeBron James is is no joke, even though he just got away with the worst travel I've ever seen last night in Utah. Um, and Anthony Davis scares me because usually, like a Kawhi Leonard, I can see Chris Middleton doing what he did last year, last series, and that's doing a good job defensively against him. Then I can see a Wesley Matthews playing or a Giannis play good defense on a guy like Paul George, 
then you'll just have the two bowling or boulders we'll call them and Pat Beverly and Eric Blood it's Bledsoe just going at it at the point guard position and you just hope you have one guy that goes off and I think that could potentially even be Brooke in that scenario because they like I always forget the Lakers have Dwight Howard yeah they do have Dwight Howard back and apparently he's playing really really good too isn't he yeah, he is. He's looking back to his early Magic days, apparently. I'm not I'll get, catching West Coast games, but, you know, from what we've seen in highlights, so I think I'm taking the Clippers on that, even though – and Kawhi, he just – like, load management, fine. He probably deserves it. He fucking carried a below-average Raptors team to an NBA final, NBA championship last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy's got the – he had a whole country on his back at one point. Now he's trying to take a city over. Like he's got a lot of pressure, and I think we could take him on. Yeah. But I don't know. What do you think about that? I honestly, I haven't seen either team play enough. Uh, it seems like the Clippers, because of injuries, they haven't had as much time together to be cohesive and develop everything. But I still, I do think that LeBron is is probably, especially with his experience and his confidence and everything. And he's got AD. I think the LeBron and AD combo scares me more than Kawhi and PG-13. So, um, especially if you add in, like, a Dwight Howard who's actually playing good and Kyle Kuzma and they they got Rondo and a couple other pieces. So, yeah, I think I would prefer to play the Clippers as well. But, man, it sure would be nice if, like, the Houston Rockets somehow snuck out of the Western Conference or – one of those other teams that's just like kind of like there on the verge. I would say Utah, but for some reason Utah plays us pretty tough. Utah scares the shit out of me. I do not want to see them come out of the East right. or West. Excuse right. me. I'm I'm glad we're in the East. I will say that. Like, there's not really too many teams in the East that would seriously scare me in a seven game series with this team. Maybe that's me being yeah. overconfident, though. Maybe. Um, all right. Yeah. I like I. Podcasting is hard, man. When there's not a lot of drama with this team, do we just won 13 games in a row? What am I supposed to talk about? <laughs> like, I, like I mean, let's. I mean, I'm even mentioned last episode. I'm, I'm hoping we see some Frank Mason soon. I think it'd be nice to. I think we'll probably see him mid to the end of the season as he's as we're going to rest some guys. But I think it'd be nice to see him develop a little bit on an NBA floor. Oh, absolutely, man. He's totally ready. That dude is one of the most mentally tough guys I, I've ever met in my life. He makes plays. He's a grinder. Um, he doesn't really talk. He just he just works, man. He just gets after it. And you know, we we talked about the 13 game winning streak, and that's the first time since 1973. I think you said we're partying like it's mm-hmm. 73. And uh, what happened in in that season? Well, the Milwaukee Bucks went to the finals, and ultimately uh, we won uh, in Game Six over Boston in two overtimes to force a Game Seven, and and we fell short of the championship. But hey, maybe but maybe that was the right that wrong. It was a year after we won the championship. Yeah, so. it, exactly. Right. Yeah, we were trying to follow it up with a back-to-back. That's right. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, we take it one step further this year and make it to the uh, East to the finals mm-hmm. and win the finals. Um, anything else you want to talk about while we're on the microphone? I don't, yeah, sure, man. I'll, how about I just ask you a couple of questions? Because, I mean, you've been following and watching more more than I have, so I feel like your insights will be better for, for the listeners. Oh, boy. I want to know who has been the most pleasant surprise on the team this year for you. Dante DiVincenzo. DD? And for why? sure. Because he took that starting role no problem. I thought I saw that starting role going to Sterling Brown with an extra year uh, under his belt. Um, 
a solid play last year, solid play this season. The hustle plays, though, that Dante made this season, he only played, I believe it was like 25 games or something last season because of his injury. Um, so for him to come out after a short season last year, make the hustle plays, make the coaches uh, aware and see what he was doing, then Chris Middleton goes down and he gets the call. Not only does he get the call, shaky first game, not going to argue that, but to then make a strong statement about his ability to be trusted, to play confidently, and to drill shots and make those, again, those hustle plays, um, getting good rebounds, being a defensive menace, and letting the guys score on the end who should score in Giannis Brook and Bledsoe um, was amazing. It was amazing to see, and it's, it's, it's awesome to watch guys like him develop on a team that is championship caliber. Uh, and yeah, he's been the best surprise so far um, for me. I love it, man. And a, a cool stat for him is he's actually, and this is only in 20 minutes a game, he's tied for the lead on the Bucks with 1.4 steals a game, him and Giannis. So he's really getting after it on the defensive end too. And and that's why I kind of alluded to Jay Wright and Villanova because he just he's bringing that um, blue-collar attitude to, to Milwaukee. Um, and then I guess one, one other question is, what are your thoughts on uh, Dragon Bender? I, I don't know if I pronounced his first name right, but love him. Yeah. So you, you're all in. I mean, the dude's a mammoth. I know that. And he's got a lot of potential. He's young, but he's only played in three games. He's a younger son of the Asoba, but better. Okay, good. Well, I, I, like I see that. him. I see him. He was a number one pick um, with Phoenix. He got some playing time on a bad Phoenix team. Got a good three point stroke. Played well in the herd when he's played there. That's the only really play I've seen from him. But I think he's, again, another DJ Wilson-ish case where you just want to see him develop. I want to see him earn his time at the herd. I want to see him play in summer league next year. He's still really young. I don't know his age offhand. But, you know, I want to see him develop a little bit more. I want to see him get that game because, let's be honest, our bench is, at least in that position, that stretch four is getting old because our stretch four right now is Urson. So you see that. I see him kind of taking over that role next year um, or post as potentially even the season after he kind of gets more minutes next year, depending on what happens and gets hopefully what would be a more rotation guy minutes um, or you used as an asset in some sort of trade because he has value. And I think he could have value today to a team who is maybe lacking in some depth. So I, I think this team is beyond deep and really has the ability to show out with guys like at the aforementioned Dragon Bender, Frank Mason. Um, I don't necessarily like the, uh, Thanasis. Um, he seemed to be a ball hog when he, had the, when he played last night against the Pistons. But, <laughs> I mean, that's just me. That was my observation. I don't know. Hey, man, you got to shoot your shot when you get the opportunity. <laughs> I guess. And you're up 35 points, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. But, you know, still on an NBA floor. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, hey, Bender's 22. He just turned 22, so... Super yeah. young. It'll be fun to watch him develop. Uh, but yeah, I like your insights. Appreciate appreciate you answering those questions. I uh, I have no further questions for you, sir. Oh, thank you, Your Honor. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was. It's been a good conversation tonight. Uh, yeah, no it's always good to have those types of questions. I suppose I, I don't really I don't ask those too often. I'm sure it's good to think about as well as I bring more people on it's good to go both ways man and and as people who listen probably remember like I have my own podcast so this is kind of two 
two right. podcast hosts um, going about creating a podcast. So it's a little bit of a different dynamic. A little inception, a podcastception. It is a podception, you're right. <laughs> get your uh, get your plugs in, man. Where can people find your podcast? What is your podcast? And where can they find you on social media? Yeah, man. So my podcast is the Get Stark Podcast, which uh, I have it hosted on SoundCloud right now. And then you can get it on your podcast apps, uh, not Spotify, but I got to work on getting it on there. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter, Dr. Stark. It's going to be a lot of KU stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just keep, keep supporting this podcast cause I love what Jacobs is doing. He's a, he's a diehard Bucks guy and he's going to keep growing this and it's, uh, it's something to get behind. You're too kind, sir. You're too kind. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jacobitz, uh, at J A K U B I C Z, um, Andrew Jacobitz everywhere else on every other social media. In Milwaukee, if you see me walking down the street, say hello. If you find my profile on social media, drop in the DM, say hey. Um, thank you for listening. If you are a first-time listener, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Bucks underscore radio. Um, if you are listening to this on iTunes or Apple, whatever it is now, give us some stars. Give us a comment. It helps us. helps me. And um, if you listen to this often tell your friends about it because that's the best way anyone can ever um drive marketing is word of mouth especially in the podcast game so um if you don't do any of that i still appreciate you pressing play and listening to me ramble on about what is potentially the next nba championship team um let's go and <laughs> i hope to see you at the forum sometime soon derek thank you for coming on i appreciate it thanks for having me man we'll talk soon all right cheers everybody